Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. co-host adam stringham adam how you doing you know i'm doing all right we're recording this on the first of october so we're a little more than 24 hours away from the first capitals game of the season and i'm ready to get this thing started oh yeah me too me too uh you're gonna be watching the uh washington national we're dating ourselves a tiny bit with this but uh we're recording right before the nationals wild card game so uh, adam are you gonna you gonna watch I don't know. It depends. I mean, if they win, then yes, I was definitely, I definitely watched it. If any of our listeners are trying to figure it out after the fact, but if they lost, no, it wasn't because of me. There you go. There you go. That's good. Uh, if if they lost this entire, just just blame me. It's totally fine. I accept it. Um, so uh, we we so Adam, uh, you mentioned that uh, the regular season is very fast approaching. I know we're both excited for it. And uh, one of the big pieces of news that just dropped today is um, the Capitals roster is mostly set and it, it is completely set for opening night um just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of a uh, background uh right now that we're looking at a top line of Oshi ba- or Ovechkin Backstrom Wilson the second line being Vrana Eller Oshi um not a huge surprise again with Kuznetsov being out um then uh Haglin Stevenson panic so Stevenson does make the opening night roster um then Hathaway Dowd and Brandon Leipzig is in there um so then that, that rounds out the forward group. The D pairs right now are Siegenthaler and Carlson, Orlov and Jensen, uh, Feviarvi, uh, I think is how you pronounce that name, um, and Gudis. And uh, the Caps are actually keeping three goaltenders with Holtby, Copley, and Samsonov all making it. So Adam, kind of your initial thoughts, any surprises out there for you? Uh, I mean, Chandler Stevenson's a bit of a shocker for me. Um, when we had Isabel on the podcast, I guess that was just last week, um, we both seemed pretty sure that Stevenson was going to be the odd man out, and yet here he is making the team out of camp. Um, I think kind of the opposite's true on Juice. Um, it was a, he was a guy that we expected to make it on the roster and didn't. So um, I think those are definitely the two biggest surprises for me. Um, you know, Stevenson is just not a point producer at the NHL level consistently right now, and um, you know, I, I, he had a good camp, but at some point you got to produce in the regular season and uh stevenson is 
almost historically bad at doing that. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's he is certainly a guy that when you would just watch him play, if, if, you know, you like to say if you look at guys and you completely cut out all their scoring plays, what would you think about them? And I think with Stevenson, I'd probably think he was okay. Um, certainly pretty and, fast, you know. Yeah, sir, you're exactly right. But, you know, if some point you do have to score. So, yeah. uh, Stevenson definitely surprised me a lot. Um, a little surprised that Friarvi, Friavi, man, this is pronouncing that's going to be a real, a real tongue turner for a little bit that he he's on the team. But we'll definitely see how things goes. Um, the other thing is, I'm surprised to see Panic getting time on the power play with uh, Kuznetsov out. Actually, that's the yeah. other one I'm kind of surprised by. But we we can get into that a little bit later. But what about you? What's surprising you? Yeah, I mean, I was also surprised by Jews not making it. I kind of figured he would be a 70. I you know, you, you look at it, and I mean, the Capitals are kind of constantly against the, the salary cap, and that seems to be maybe one of those things where, you know, they had to kind of fit things very precisely, at least, uh, you know, with this weird three-game stretch where Kuznetsov's out. So, yeah, I mean, that's one thing I'm really curious. I, like you, am also going to be really curious to see uh, kind of how some of the, you know, how Stevenson does on that third line. I mean, one of the ways I kind of view it is the first month of the year is usually kind of weird, right? Like, there's a lot of, you know, the systems aren't set yet. There's a lot of weird, wide-open hockey. But I think it's also good to have some of these battles kind of going into, you know, the regular season because the the NHL rosters are different, and it doesn't, you know, the lineup that you have on day one is not necessarily going to be very related to the lineup that you have on, you know, day 20 or even day, you know, 30. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see some of these battles. I'm also really, really excited to see see um what um Orlov Jetson looks like I know that's a pairing that we had talked a decent amount about and Orlov is one of the players that uh I'm gonna put a bookmark in now because I suspect I'm gonna be talking about him later but I'm curious to see that and I'm curious to see how Siegenthaler does more up in the lineup you know um I think we are both you know have heard that Kepney could be coming back soon but I'm always a little skeptical of, you know, exactly when, you know, players are going to come back. They always seem to try to come back a little faster than they would like. And Ketney's injury was really serious, and there's no need for them to rush him back. So I'm going to be really curious to see kind of what Siegenthaler does on that top pair. Yeah, I am as well. I mean, he's going to be in a tough spot. I mean, he, he got some time there in the playoffs last year, and he performed well, but being there on a night-in, night-out basis is definitely going to be different. Um, you know, Siegenthaler is definitely one of those guys that kind of over the years has been interested in the, to kind of follow. You know, the Capitals traded up for him in that second round. Um, i trying to remember what season that was off the top of my head, but, you know, generally speaking, people don't like when people move up in the draft to take a guy that's not supposed to have a lot of offensive upside, but here we are with Siegenthaler potentially being a first-pairing D um, for the Capitals for at least some of the season until we get Kempney back, and that's going to be a... Uh, just going to be interesting to kind of see how, how his game is truly developed and if he has the offensive upside and the ability to kind of do more than just, um, you know, be sound defensively with, yeah. with those kind of advanced minutes. Yeah, and I think it'll be doubly curious, too, because, I mean, this Capitals, uh, they play three games in uh, four days right off the bat. So, uh, you know, if we were want for hockey, we won't be very soon. And they're not particularly easy games, too. I mean, the Capitals start tomorrow um, against the Blues, which, you know, is a game I'm pretty excited to see. And then uh, they play Friday and Saturday against the Islanders and Hurricanes, two teams that both are in the playoffs last year. So, uh, you know, quite a, quite a little stretch to kind of start here. And uh, we'll see, you know, what some of these players look like as they uh, kind of go in. So, 
Another thing that um, we, you know, had kind of talked about a little bit, uh, aside from Siegenthaler, is, uh, you know, we had talked a little about, you know, who is Orlov going to play with? And I know that even Isabel kind of talked about, you know, is Gudis maybe working his way up in the second pair? So, you know, it seems like Gudis is going to be on the third pair for now, but I'm kind of curious, you know, how do you see this shaking out, um, you know, with Kempney potentially coming back relatively soon? Yeah, that, that, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I gotta think that Gudis is just—he's kind of cemented himself as being a really solid player who's gonna who's gonna have to get big minutes here to start the year, or at least at least be a a, a real like high consideration. We'll we'll see how everything kind of plays out once Kempney comes in. And you know, I don't want to make too bold of a prediction about who's gonna come out and how things are gonna move, but um, I, I mean, I, I'd be surprised to see too much. I, you know, who knows? It, it's all gonna depend on how Siegenthaler plays, uh, and then like how that will. Like if he does really poorly, right, we could see him kind of moving and shaking around. But um, Gudis is a guy who's had strong kind of underlying analytical numbers, um, despite kind of the more goon aspect of his of his style of play over the last few years. And um, you know, he just seems like one of those smart signings. And if the Capitals feel like they don't need to use him that much, and he can like take a few games off here and there, that that that's definitely fine. Um, but it, I, I think it's going to be interesting. They kind of got a plethora now of talent that they can use kind of either on the right or left side so I, i'm not quite sure how that will all shake out for them but uh we'll have to see yeah and then uh the other kind of last big note of this roster is uh carrying three goaltenders you know which uh is obviously not going to be something they do for very long but it does seem a little bit like uh you know the uh copley versus uh samsonov battle for you know the backup goalie is not set yet so i'm going to be kind of curious to see how that shakes out and to me you know, I think it kind of speaks to maybe a couple of different philosophies. You know, I think that there's been reporting that, you know, Samsonov could play one of the first three games and uh, go down after that. But, you know, at the same time, if he really impresses, it's going to be, you know, I hope he has played a decent amount of games, you know, over the last few years. And so I think having a good, strong backup, you know, who could play a decent amount of games is good, particularly one with uh, like Samsonov, who maybe is the goalie of the future. So, you know, I'm going to be kind of curious to see what they end up deciding to do with that. Do you have any kind of expectations or how that's going to shake out? Yeah, I I think um, Isabel kind of explained like the nuances on our last podcast that her and I did together between, you know, not the the last Jabers and Gradio about um, how... The Capitals can bank cap space early in the season by keeping Copley um, on the roster. Then after a certain point of the season, they can move him down and take Samsonov back up um, after kind of banking that space in the beginning of the year. So I, I think they're not going with that method, obviously, by carrying all three off the off the bat. Um, I think once Kuznetsov is no longer suspended and they get that cap hit, they'll have to do some more kind of uh, magic, and we might see more of kind of that that um, scenario that, that Isabel outlined. Um, but, you know... It, Clearly, Samsonov is the goalie of the future for the for the team. Um, I'd be shocked to, it, but he but he has been kind of like splitting time down in Hershey even um, with Vanacek over the last few years. So, kind of like how there are a lot of moving pieces on the defense, and it kind of doesn't. I don't know who's gonna like who's gonna play where, even necessarily what side the team might kind of flex them around, put them this way and that. It's kind of that way for goalies this time uh, with the AHL. You know, we could see Vanacek get up and get some time. We could see Samsonov get a lot of time. Um, Copley is obviously kind of the the stable guy that seems like they they're okay with for spot appearances, but obviously if Holpe went down, it, he's not going to be the guy. I think that's kind of become clear. Um, yeah. So um, I think that's kind of. Where I stand on this is that we're going to see a lot of movement and lots of swaps, and instead of right and left, we're talking about AHL and NHL. So it's yeah. uh, 
you know, for a team that did so little with the roster, the Capitals still feel like they have a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, which, you know, I think is I think is good in a sense, as I kind of talked about earlier, because, yeah, I mean, give the guys a chance to kind of shake it out. You know, the uh, first month of the year is going to be weird. And, you know, it's, it's I mean, the Caps seem like they're relatively stable. So I think letting, you know, there be some roster battles down in the lineup, you know, isn't necessarily the mark of a you know, unstable or bad team. It just means that, you know, they have some decent players that I'm going to be kind of curious to see what happens. So that being said, um, this is also the season preview podcast. So uh, it's officially that now. Um, so one of the things that um, Adam and I, we, I know we discussed doing is, uh, you know, kind of giving, you know, our preview into the season and what we thought about the off season. So I know we've done a couple of podcasts kind of, you know, a little more focused on this, but kind of broadly speaking, what did you think of the Caps last offseason kind of going into this year? Um, I thought it was fine. You know, a little underwhelming. I, I didn't think that I thought the Gudis for Niskanen swap was good. Um, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think Niskanen was kind of a depreciating asset that, um, you know, we, we weren't really the Capitals were no longer really going to get like the kind of that real value out of it. Um you know, obviously they got the value they needed when they needed it. Uh, you know, the banner and the rings will last forever, but um, it was time to move on. I think Gudis will be a fine addition, no matter how many minutes he is or is not getting. Um, I think he has more utility, and it was time. It was time. Um, the Burkowski deal is what it is. The guy definitely wanted to move somewhere else, get more opportunity. Um, I, I hate to kind of see that. Know? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I think it's probably the best thing for him as a player. Um, I, I'm not sure the Capitals really have the kind of firepower in the bottom six they have in the past. Even if it was really inconsistent last year, there was still always that kind of game-breaking talent. Um, I think Panic's good, um, and you know I'm interested to see how Haglin, Panic, and Eller kind of do together once Kuznetsov is back. But um, fourth line very uninspiring. Yeah, is what it is, and we'll see how the. Uh, Really, I'm just kind of concerned about the bottom six. I feel like it's a little weak, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be interested, too, to see. I, I, you know, I mean, we think, I think we talk about two things. One is that, you know, this is something I, you know, wrote about a couple of times, is that the Capitals really defensively last year, particularly among their forwards, struggled. You know, they struggled to suppress shots. They, in particular, struggled to suppress high-danger shots right at the net. And uh, I know when I talked to Greg Wyshynski about this last podcast, he kind of suggested that it might have been a coaching thing, too, which is mm-hmm. fair. And, you know, I think that we'll talk about Ritter a little bit later. But... You know, I think one of the other things roster-wise is, yeah, you had some guys on there who could score, but, you know, they struggled a little bit to, you know, you wouldn't exactly call them defensively stout. So I think that there was a certain utility to getting a panic who, you know, is going to suppress shots a little better than average and has more, I think, forward use than at times he's given credit for. Although, yeah, I mean, you're sacrificing some goals probably with, you know, him versus Barkovsky and Connolly. Um, and then, you know, looking down at the lineup, you know, it seemed like there was a decent priority for penalty kill. I mean, the Capitals, again, last year did not have a particularly good penalty kill that I think kind of bordered into disastrous at times last year. So mm-hmm. I know that Hathaway is someone that seems earmarked for that. Um, you know, and that'll be interesting to see. I think it'll also be, you know, interesting to see, you know, what they kind of decide, you know, is, is that going to be Eller and Wilson again? You know, are they going to maybe limit Backstrom's exposure on that? So that'll, I think, be one thing where there might be a little more help for the penalty kill kind of down the lineup. But yeah, I mean, I think this was a bit of a philosophy change to the Capitals in the back half, you know, where they're going to maybe score less, but hopefully they'll prevent, uh, you know, uh, prevent a few less goals too, or f- prevent a few more goals too. 
Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately the goal is just to have the best, uh, well, to win the most games, right? And yeah. do that, you can do goal differential, which is obviously goals for and goals against. And the argument is on a net goal perspective, are the Capitals better now than they were in the past? Uh, I'm not sure. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, you and I talked about it before. I'm not totally sold that Haglin is kind of as good as he's going to be paid to be. Um, yeah. You know, his, his legs are definitely still appear to be there. Um, not so sure about like the offensive talent in the hands it kind of, I think we talked about it before. It's like a TJ Oshie light. He's faster, but doesn't quite have the same skill level, um, but it's pretty tenacious on the puck. Yeah. The PK, um, you know, that was such an inconsistent unit last year. I mean, we looked at like, we did some like statistical analysis on it during the season where they were actually limiting shots at a pretty good rate for a large portion of the year, but they were giving up a lot of goals. Was it quality? Maybe it was part of it that Holpe was having one of his roughest seasons statistically. That's also probably a big part of it. Right. So, um, and again, it's hard to isolate how much that's like, you know, quality of chances versus, um, just the goalie himself. But, um, that's just kind of another example here where the offensive talent is certainly less and the Capitals were able to win through strong systematic play with elite talent, like game breaking talent. And um, so I always get a little squirrely when I feel like the game breaking talents less than it used to be. But um, you know, you mentioned before stuff about coaching and systems and hopefully that will compensate for the decrease in offensive talent. In addition to probably having hopefully a, a more consistently, at least average penalty kill. Yeah. No, I think it, I think it'll be interesting to see. So, one of the other things that um we kind of have talked a little bit about is um you know, some of the big questions kind of going into the Capitals this year. And I wrote about one of them and I have the other two topics that uh, I'm going to talk about here are coming later, I promise. But um one of the big ones that I tackled at, at first was uh well, what we think about, you know, whether Backstrom and Holpe are due contract extensions or not. And I think that that's, you know, it it might not seem like a big question this year in the sense of they're both going to be on the roster throughout the entire year, but you look at, you know, past years, stuff like this can hang over teams. So I'm going to be interested to see, you know, it seems like everyone and their mother thinks that the Backstrom extension is going to get done. I tend to agree with that. And I would imagine you do too, but you know, I, I, do you think that there's a merit to having these, you know, having these decisions kind of done early? And, you know, if so, what do you think that is? Um, I think with the Backstrom one, it's not as big of a deal because there just does seem to be this like huge consensus that he's going to be back with the team. Like all parties seem confident that's what's going to be the case. Um, now the Holpe one, I, I do kind of feel like there's some, you know, there is some importance to try to have to figure it out earlier on. Um, but you know, I say that then about 30 seconds later or less than that, I'm now thinking, well, it doesn't really matter because no matter what, the Capitals aren't going to trade him in season anyway, because they think they're, they're going to think he gives them the best chance, their team's best chance to win. Yeah. So if that is indeed the case, I guess it doesn't really matter that they figure it out right now. Right. If you already know what you're going to do with Backstrom, would it be nice to get the deal done now? So it doesn't become a, a thing later. Yeah. Um, with Holtby, it's kind of the opposite. People are pretty sure he's not coming back, but the team's not going to do anything about it anyway, just by nature of um, they're, they're not going to move him because they don't think any of the other guys are ready or the other guys aren't quite as good. So yeah. um, I, I don't think it's it's ultra important. Will it be something I think everyone's going to kind of keep their, their fingers to all year? I kind of get the finger to the pulse. Yes, I do. But um, – I'm not expecting it to be too crazy. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it'll be. You know, I, I I tend to agree, and I mean, 
if you talk about two players that, you know, it arguably wouldn't hang over, I mean, Nicholas Backstrom, you know, I, yeah, I like, I, whatever, you know, I mean, I agree. Everyone seems to think it's going to get done. It sounds like both the team and him think that this is going to get done. And uh, even if it doesn't get done right away, you know, you can, uh, he's just someone that, you know, he doesn't seem like he gets too high or too low. So that's, so that's definitely good. Hopefully the bigger, the trickier part is, you know, and I think we talked about it earlier, the fact that there are so many moving pieces, you know, with the goalies and mm-hmm. particularly, you know, do they keep Sansonov up? How is that going to work? You know, they, if they're going to, if he's going to be the goalie of next year, then you need to get him probably some NHL exposure. So, you know, what do they see as a transition plan there if he doesn't come back? And I, you know, I think it's also tricky because if he doesn't come back, it's not like the team is going to have a press release saying, we we announced that we are not going to re-sign <laughs> Braden right like that's not gonna be something that they do you know there's just gonna be kind of this expectation that we have now that you know he's just not gonna come back and so you know i I, even if he doesn't you know you would think that the interests of him and the caps are gonna align pretty neatly here because hope he's been a little inconsistent the last couple of years and i mean the lord knows he you know sees the light at the end of the end of the tunnel with the bobrovsky contract being as extensive as it was and so you know, if he's able to really finish out strong, you know, and maybe go on a deep playoff run, I think we're all in favor of that. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be, uh, you know, something that, yeah, his interest and the interest of the Capitals both involve him playing really, really good hockey. So that's pretty helpful no matter what. Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line here is to get these guys on all cylinders, kind of take another crack at this thing. I mean, even if the Capitals do, like, do really well in the season and, 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 you know, the guys do decide to come back. They are still getting older, right? And I think that's another point you're going to yep. touch on here in a second. So, um, ultimately, the team's kind of aging and getting to that next point. So, we'll, we'll have to – they'll have to start making decisions to um, – yeah, there's only so long you can prolong this window, right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll just pass it back to you here. Yeah, no, no, no. And because I mean, I think that that's going to be, that's my next kind of big question for you. So good transition, Adam. Um, is, uh, <laughs> I mean, the Capitals have an aging core, you know, and I think that's been pretty consistent on a lot of the uh, previews for the team. Um, I, I mean, if you look at it, you know, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Eller, Oshie, you know, Hagelin, um, even now, I think I don't think Carlson's is thirty, but he, I think he's close, if I'm not mistaken. You know, so you get a lot of guy at Holpe too. I mean, a lot of the key key players on that team are now kind of on the wrong side of thirty, and so I'm going to be interested to see. You know, do we see any kind of deterioration? You know, I I know when I talked to Wyshynski, he's still very high on Alex Ovechkin, and how could you not be, right? And I mean, he's Alex Ovechkin. But one of the things I am looking at, you know, kind of when you go down that list a little more is you look at like an Eller or an Oshie or those guys that are going to be able to keep up their production. And more importantly, are they going to be able to stay healthy? You know, I mean, Oshie, I think, particularly as he's gotten older, has kind of struggled a little bit of that. So that's going to be something I'm kind of looking at this year. You know, are is the Capitals' core going to be, you know, as strong as they've traditionally been? And, you know, are they going to have to rely on them as much as they have been. So, you know, that's something I'm going to be looking at. Adam, what are your kind of thoughts on it? No, you're exactly right. I mean, the guys that I'm going to be most focused on, um, you know, fool me five times on Ovechkin. I think I'm just going to, you know, I keep waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it, and he hasn't slowed down yet. So, um, you know, he might be, you know, I got to imagine we're getting close to the point where we're going to start losing a couple goals every year. But, um, you know, he's going to haven't yet, but maybe he'll stay strong. You know, 49 two years ago, right? 50 last year. So um, he, he's just going to be have to keep on going, and the Capitals are going to need that offense from him. I think we've got guys 
Um, when I say we, I'm talking about the team, of course. Um, they got like Backstrom, who looks looks great. Uh, his skill has never really been dictated upon kind of foot speed. The things that kind of really kind of fade as guys age. He's kind of just viewed the game really well, so hopefully that will be fine as well. Um, but again, you're you're dead on, I think, Greg, and kind of zeroing in on these guys that are you know not the top tier. Players, right? They're they're not in the Ovechkin or Backstrom caliber, but they're kind of in in that middle tier below there. I mean, Oshi, a fantastic player who's just kind of been repeatedly injured, and you know, injuries stack up. I mean, they, yeah. they it feels like the more guys get hurt, it it, it like self fulfills again. They get more hurt and more hurt, and uh, unfortunately for Oshi, it's it's definitely um, kind of appeared that way over the last few years. Granted, like his bone breaking probably isn't tied to the six concussions he's had, but um, six is a. I have no idea how many concussions he's had. I, but I think it's somewhere near there. I, I know it's. Yeah, I think five. that yeah. that was the number that sounded correct to me. But you know, I'm not, and obviously neither of us are doctors. Neither of us are. But these are things that you have to worry about, um, kind of when you think about the long term viability of the franchise, because yes. these guys have long contracts. Um, another guy with a long contract is Kuznetsov. The age isn't quite as much. Um, and it feels like he hasn't been on the team for that long, but we got to remember that he came over late, right? So because yeah. was an older player when he comes over, so it's, you know, he he's not a spring chicken anymore either. I think he was part of that. He was a 2009 draft class, maybe. Uh, um, I am actually looking this up right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's already 27. Yeah, so that he's also kind of getting up there. He so it, it's going to be really a. Um, a transition as we have to see guys like Verona step up and take more of a central role as these kind of um, middle guys, uh, and I call them middle, but they're all obviously great NHL players, um, kind of step back. I don't think they're they're going to kind of defy the aging curve in the same way that Ovechkin has and, and maybe Backstrom has as well. So it's going to be um, really kind of uh, important to see Verona take the next step, to see, I mean, that's on the forward side, that's kind of it. Unfortunately, the Capitals don't have a lot of other guys there. So Ron and Wilson, yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah, so. absolutely. And then, you know, my final kind of key that I have identified and I'm going to write them up, uh, is, uh, of getting his nets off just as a whole. Like, I think that there's just a lot of questions and it's useful to just, I think identify the amount of ways in which he's important to the Capitals. Cause it's not just that he's the one C and, you know, all that. I mean, you're talking about the Kuznetsov is basically the key guy for getting entrance onto the power play, you know? And so if he's not, if he's not doing that, the Capitals power play isn't going to be as dynamic as it could be. He's also someone that, you know, is going to, as the one C, you know, is going to take a lot of the big matchups. And, uh, you know, if he's really struggling defensively, that's something that the Capitals can't really allow him to do consistently. And that's going to limit the amount of time that he can be on the ice. So, I mean, I think even, I'm even less, you know, thinking about the cocaine thing, you know, and more about just, we're talking about, Evgeny Kuznetsov was one of the worst defensive forwards in hockey last year, at least in terms of the percent of high danger shots that he gives up. And so I'm really curious to see, you know, is he motivated? Is he consistent throughout the whole year? And uh, if he is, what does that look like? You know, I think that, I, I mean, he's he's been great before and he's been maddeningly inconsistent before. And so... I'm really hoping that, you know, this is a bit of a wake-up call. I mean, his potential is as high as anyone in the league, but, you know, I'm really hoping that we get to see that this year. Yeah, I hope so as well. I mean, he's been a – he's an electric player, right? I mean, when you watch Kuznetsov play, he's kind of the guy kind of bring you out of your out of your seat. Um, and 
you know, no one's asking him to stop being an offensively gifted talent. Um, but it's kind of just his overall game fell off. The point production fell off. And as you said, the, the shot quality allowed was just abysmal. So he's going to have to kind of be a guy who steps up. I mean, you, you did point out he's 27 years old. I was one year off on the draft. He was from the 2010 draft. So he's, he's got to be kind of that next core member, right? It's, I mean, the Capitals young talents of Kuznetsov, again, these guys aren't super young anymore. Kuznetsov, Ron and Wilson, right? So the, these are the guys that are going to have to kind of carry you and bridge you over. If you're going to get more years out of the Ovechkin Backstrom partnership. And it's, um, it's going to be a, t- a tough challenge for Kuznetsov, especially to deal with the challenges he's had off the ice um, this last offseason. Yeah. All right. Um, so two things left uh, for the capital section of this podcast, and then we're going to take a break and uh, transition to talking about a little bit of uh, hockey writ large. Um, one, Adam, is there a particular player that you're interested in watching and someone that, you know, maybe not one of the, the top, top players, but someone you're kind of keeping your eye on this year? Well, um, it's tough because I mean the guy I, I'm really going to be watching and, and really interested to see is going to be is going to be Jacob Vrana. Yeah, um, he, he might count as one of the top top players. I'll count on the it. Team. You're good. <laughs> All right, so he's okay. He um, I, I think he's got a, a shot at 30 goals this year. Um, his kind of dynamic speed I think is is just his greatest asset. He is kind of what you want in a kind of modern NHL player. He's quick, um, gets to the right places. Is not afraid to kind of do the right things. He's not like a TJ Oshie in that regard. He doesn't go that hard into the corners or anything, but when you've got legs like he does, he helps beat out icings. He, he can create something out of nothing. I mean, he can turn on the jets and just completely go around a defender on the outside. Is there a chance that the kind of the league at large kind of figures him out? Uh, yeah, I think, I think there is a bit of a concern about that. Players might kind of back off him a bit more, um, so that he can't go around them. Um, but you know, all, all in all, I think, Ron has got a very promising future. I think his new deal was 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 good for both the team and the player. And um, I'm, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to him this year to kind of see if he can live up to that kind of pretty solid postseason he had in 2018 and a, and a great kind of season he had last year as he continues to grow as a player. Yeah, and I think, you know, you talk about, you know, is his game going to get stale or whatever. I think that one of the keys is, you know, he is – Pretty usually playing, I think, with a lot of skill, and particularly mm-hmm. as he's gotten higher up in the lineup, you know, playing with players like Backstrom and Oshi, you know, excellent passers, both of them, and really, you know, it seems like they kind of know exactly where to give him the puck and uh, really let him kind of, you know, pass it up into space, and they're very good about, you know, putting him in the right position. And so, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to disagree that I think if he keeps playing with that caliber player, which he will, you would think, then uh, 30 goals definitely isn't outside the uh, outside the plausible picture. Um, but my guy is not someone who I think is going to score 30 goals, but I think might be one of the more kind of linchpin players to the Capitals just because of the ramifications of if he plays well versus if he doesn't. And uh, I hinted at this earlier, but Dmitry Orlov to me is someone who I think is just really important. Um we're talking about, you know, two years ago when the Capitals went on that run, a lot of the really tough minutes of that, you know, of that Stanley Cup run was was eaten by Niskanen and Orlov. That was a really good pair. And Orlov in particular was someone that, you know, before last year kind of seemed to be coming into his own. You know, always a very dynamic skater, you know, a creative playmaker and uh, was a better possession player than, you know, you would think and definitely was one of the, kind of the keys of the Capitals' future. But... Last year, he and Niskanen struggled, and 
I think I struggled a little bit with how to evaluate his season because he, you know, he just played with Niskanen a lot and it would seem like Niskanen really had declined, but Orlov's stats didn't look great either. So two points with Orlov, I'm going to be curious on. One is who is he going to play with? You know, I think that it seems likely that he's going to play with Jensen, but we also talked about him maybe playing with Gudis, and I think that'll be interesting. And then related to that, I'm going to be kind of curious to see, you know, what kind of minutes and what who he's playing against, and does he get some of those top defensive assignments? Because I think that if the Caps are really rolling, then, you know, I could look at him being kind of a 1A defensive pair with whoever they decide to play him with, and then, you know, all of a sudden you have him and, you know, Jensen maybe, and, uh, you know, Ketney and Carlson, and that's that's four, a really, really solid one through four, and that's a one through four that can maybe go on another run. So to me, it all seems like if Orlov is playing well, that just has positive ramifications up and down the lineup, and if he doesn't, it has kind of the inverse. So he's someone I'm going to be kind of looking out for as well. It's a great pick. I think he's going to be really interesting to see, and um, very curious to see how all these moving pieces shake out for the Capitals. Yeah, all right. Um, well, I'm going to... Take a bit of a break here. Uh, we're going to hear from our sponsors. It's still surreal to say that we have sponsors, isn't it, Adam? <laughs> um, but uh, we, we, ha- we have them now, so we're going we're gonna to listen to them. And then on the other side of this, uh, we're going to um, talk a little bit about the, uh, the NHL writ large and maybe give some predictions. So uh, see you in a bit. All right, so we're back. Greg and I are flipping the tables on all of you listeners here. I'm going to be hosting the second half as we kind of get into a more of a league-wide perspective in this kind of preview. And no division is better to talk about than the Metropolitan Division. Oh, yeah. um, you know, the home of three of the last four Stanley Cup champions. Let's just Maybe ignore not. where two of those came from, right? I mean, I was going to, but thanks, Greg. Thanks for putting that out. <laughs> um, My bad. <laughs> so let's move on. And talk a little bit about the Metropolitan Division. Obviously, last year, the Capitals did win the division with 104 points. Um, Islanders came out of nowhere. Um, they got Penguins, Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, Flyers, Rangers, Devils. Quickly just listing the teams there so everyone knows the order they finished in last year. As I start putting you on the spot to talk about where you see the Metropolitan Division going this year. So why don't we start, Greg, with kind of your original takes on the, on the Metropolitan Division. And I want to start with the Hurricanes, the team that kind of unseated the champs last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated by the Hurricanes. I, I you know, I, I, I'm divided on it because, you know, at the one hand, it seems like and you're, you're plugged into some of the same communities I am, that everyone is in love with what the Carolina Hurricanes did this offseason. And the underlying stats really were very strong from them last year. So, you know, I, I think you look at some of the deals they made, you know, getting to Zingle is good, you know, really um, getting Jake Gardner for basically, like, way way below market is great you know so those are all good things um one of the things though that i'm going to be interested in is this team it can this team score enough you know i think that they're i mean sebastian aho and jordan Stahl are great in the middle i like getting eric Halla too but you know they're going to have some players who are young who are going to need to step in you know particularly andre snetchikov he's going to be someone that i am interested to see um so, yeah, they have a lot of interesting moving pieces, and uh, they have a ton of talent, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be interested to see, you know, how it all kind of shakes out. Can they consistently put pucks into the net? You know, the issue with the Carolina Hurricanes hasn't been generating shots, it's been taking those shots into goals. And so, you know, are they going to be able to consistently do that this year? I, I tend to think that that might be the year for it, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a certainty for anything, and I do think that 
I've seen a few fans maybe go a little bit overboard on them, so I'm kind of intrigued by what they're going to be doing, too. Yeah, I think they're going to be really interesting. They're kind of that team that consistently has high high quality on paper shots, um, and they just don't seem to convert them at the same rate as you know you would expect. Um, so I think that they're, they're historically a low sh- conversion team, so we'll definitely see how they shake out. Um, let's move on and talk about another team that could be kind of on the rise here, and that's the New Jersey Devils. I know you and I have a bit different opinions on them, or I think I'm a bit higher than you, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I am, I mean, again, it's hard to really dislike what they did in the offseason, you know, I, I mean, they got, you know, Jack Hughes, who is, I'm really excited to see, and uh, even in the preseason, he was really dynamic, so that's going to be really exciting. Uh, I also really liked, uh, they got Nikita Gusev from the uh, the Golden Knights, and uh, I'm really intrigued to see what he can do. It looks like they're going to kind of put him maybe on that line with Jack Hughes to start and uh, him and Jesper Bratton. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, The one thing I'm a little bit more skeptical on is the blue line. I mean, I I like getting P.K. Subban, and I think that's smart. Um, But, I mean, I'm going to read you their other defensemen aside from P.K. Subban. Andy (laughs) Green, who is fine, I guess. Uh, Will Butcher, who... I've never heard of, uh, Sammy Vatnin, who is, is okay. Um, Mirko Mueller, again, never heard of, and, uh, Damon Severson, who is okay. So yeah, I, I see that and I see some holes there. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be intrigued what, to see kind of what they end up being, but I, you know, I look at that and I see a roster that I think they're going to score and I think they're going to be fun to watch, but I look at that and I look at, you know, is Corey Snyder going to be acceptable this year, you know, and is he going to be good enough and is that defense going to be good enough to consistently win? And so, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm excited to see. I do think they're kind of on the bubble for a wild card, so that's kind of where I'm at with them. I don't know what your kind of thoughts are. No, I don't think that's too far off. I mean, I, I think they're going to compete with the Metro. The Metro was a pretty tight division last year. I mean, between the Blue Jackets and the Caps, you had just six points of separation. So the top five teams win six points of each other. Obviously, the Flyers, Rangers, and Devils were pretty far down compared to those teams. But I think the Devils are going to take a big step step up. I think I, I really liked Sammy Battenen when he was in um, – Anaheim and I think he could do some interesting things kind of uh with the Devils with some more talent around him and Taylor Hall uh you know hopefully it's healthy Taylor Hall would make a big difference for for them Um, but you're right I think it might all kind of come back to goaltending let's move on to the team that made the biggest free agent splash this year and, and that was the New York Rangers um the guys whose pocketbooks have no limits any thoughts yeah no I mean anytime you can get our Tammy Panarin who I think was maybe maybe one of the most dynamic forwards in the NHL and one of kind of the rare wingers that you're just like, yeah, that guy can just dictate play by himself and it doesn't, you know, necessarily matter who's on the ice with him. Um, you know, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see Capo Caco. I've heard enough people compare him to Alex Ovechkin to where, you know, I'm curious to see what he can do and uh, the idea of him and a Hughes rivalry I'm really excited about. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that's a little tricky with them is that defense is just going to look pretty bad. I mean, I like but don't love Jacob Truba, you know, I, and then they gave him a huge contract extension that I didn't really like. But again, I mean, they still have Mark Stahl, you know, 
They have, uh, I mean, Brady second uh, is okay. Um, so I, you know, I look at that team and I look at, again, another fun team that I think is going to be a fun division this year. I wonder, are they going to be, you know, aside from maybe having, you know, obviously Henrik Lundqvist, who is still, I'm not going to ever bet against. Um, you know, I look at that and I see maybe not enough depth to, you know, consistently compete. I mean, their 3C right now is Brett Howden. So not, not great. Um, but you know, I, uh, and they have the Mc, um, Greg McHegg still in the lineup. So I look at that and I see maybe some depth problems, but again, man, that's going to be a fun team to watch. eh? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think they should be, I mean, they should have a lot of good, um, I mean, the, the talent is kind of there, right? I mean, we'll, we'll see what, if they can put it all together, but, um, I, I just got a feeling they're still a couple years away, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. The Rangers, I thought it really committed to this rebuild philosophy, and then all of a sudden they kind of, you know, they, they saw an elite talent on the market, went out and seized it, and um, you know why? Can't blame why not, them for that. Right? Yeah, you got to also feel like maybe it's a year or two too early. So, yeah. Um, but you know, ho- hopefully, well, hopefully it doesn't work out for them. But, say, hopefully uh, it's still <laughs> a year or two away. But, but I don't. I don't blame them for trying. Sometimes you got to take your shot. Yeah, hey, why um, not, right? Let's talk about a team that took their shot, didn't pan out, um, and that's the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, they made so much of a push last year to really compete in the playoffs. They swept Tampa Bay in a shocking fashion and then just could not keep it together. And unfortunately, I think it's going to set the organization back um, you want to applaud a team for taking that kind of shot, but when it doesn't work out, um, you know you got to you're kind of left picking up the pieces, and I think that's what it's going to be for the Blue Jackets for a couple of years here. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's funny. I mean, I look at that team and I say they still have more talent than you think, uh, but they need a lot of things to go right, and they need them to go right all at once, basically. So, I mean, you're looking at it, you know, they need Pierre Luc Dubois to be a number one center. And he could be. He has a ton of talent, but, you know, is he is he necessarily a number one center right now who's going to be, you know, can drive play? I don't really know. Um, so we're going to have to find that out. Uh, I did love getting Gustav Nyquist. I think he's a really useful little player. But again, he's not someone that I look at that and is saying he's exactly a franchise-altering talent. Um, the one thing I am excited for, though, is, uh, man, oh, man, Seth Jones is really good. And, uh, they don't have a ton of defensive depth really behind him, and he's going to play a lot of minutes. So at minimum, that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, one one kind of player I'm excited to see a little bit too is, um, so, you know, I've seen a couple of Blue Jackets preseason games. I actually now live in Columbus, so I get to see them a little. Um, they have this goalie named uh, Elvis Mering. Uh, Merzlingus, I think is his, uh, wow, I'm butchering that name, but, uh, he is actually randomly a ton of fun to watch. Um, he came in from Europe, he's never played before, but he's a pretty athletic goalie, and he makes some pretty creative saves, so, I don't know if he's gonna be any good or not, but he's gonna be entertaining, so, uh, you know, as entertaining as anyone in a, uh, John Tortorella system can be, so, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, they're, look, they're gonna struggle, I mean, when you lose the kind of talent that they did on a night-in, night-out basis, that's gonna be very tough to, to, you know, kind of reconcile, but, you know, you look at it, you could say, if enough goes right, they could be a fringe wildcard team, and, uh, that's not nothing, you know, but, yeah, boy, that's a, that's a pretty big step back from, uh, sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. Yeah, um, let's talk a little bit about the Flyers, they're a team that kind of, I'm not sure where I think they're headed, um, it feels like they're just kind of middling, and I'm not sure if there was enough that happened in the offseason to make me think they're gonna, 
you know, be among the top teams in the division, but I don't think they're going to be any worse than they were last year. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky, right? Like, I I didn't, obviously, I didn't like, uh, from their perspective, I loved it from the Caps' perspective, the Niskanen for Gouda swap, mm-hmm. but you squint hard enough and you see, okay, like, Maybe they did need some stability back there. Um, I, you know, you look at it and I, I see, I think, two things that are going to really be crucial for them. You know, number one is going to be Carter Hart, right? Like, the, I mean, for pretty much as long as we've been fans, the Philadelphia Flyers have not had stable goaltending. And I think, didn't last year, I think they set a record for the amount of goalies that they had in the NHL. So, and that got a start. So, that needs to change, and it, I do think that Carter Hart is a kind of good, you know, really solid goalie and someone who could maybe lead that change. So I'm excited to see him. But, you know, you look at that and you look at, you know, this roster, and, I mean, Claude Giroux's getting up there in age, Jakob Voracek's getting up there. So some of that talent's starting to get a little old, and, uh, you know, I I kind of question that. And I keep wondering what exactly they're going to do with Shane Gostasbear at this point, right? I mean, it seems like they love burying him in the third pair, and— I mean, you know, on one hand, he does make some pretty bad mistakes. But on the other hand, you know, you look at that blue line and they're not exactly want for great skaters. And he's someone that at least is dynamic. So, you know, I really I don't know what they're trying to do with him, but whatever it is, it's not working. And uh, I really would like to see them. Well, I guess as a capital stand, I hope they continue burying him on the third line. But I think he's a good talent. And, uh, you know, I would be curious to see what he did maybe a little higher up or getting bigger minutes. Yeah, I agree. Um, let, let's talk about the Islanders. I mean, Barry Trotz's Islanders only gave up 196 goals last year. It was the best total in the league. Um, played a very kind of uninspiring visual brand of hockey. Um, but they What, you don't stopped. love dumping and checking? No, no, I don't. Um, it's the kind of thing You don't love the that... neutral zone trap? No, I mean, you know what? You know, generally speaking, Barry Trotz's style of play this is kind of it gets back to he can take a bad team and make them good and i used to think he couldn't take a good team and make them great but obviously he he did he did that he yeah. got the capital i'll, I'll take it i was glad we found but, that out yeah but he can still like i don't think the islanders have enough talent on that roster to make any noise in the playoffs i still don't think they're that i'm shocked they did what they did last year but i don't think they've got a roster to, to do any more than that yeah. And I, I still feel that way. I, I, I still don't believe that the Islanders were nearly as good as what their results made them out to be. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't, I'm supposed to be asking you what you think about them, but you got me talking about what I think about them. What do you think, Greg? <laughs> well, I, we, we, let, we let our hosts here talk, too. I, you know, am uh, not, not short for words ever. I don't think anyone's ever said that. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I agree with you. Um, I The thing I can't get my head around is, I mean, you had a – you know, I mean, Robin Lehner won the frickin' Vezina last year, right? And they basically didn't want him, which, and then they, they, you know, which, okay, like, maybe you say, okay, maybe any goalie, you know, can fit in, you know, Mitch Korn is Mitch Korn, Barry Trotz is Barry Trotz, but then they went out and gave Varlamov a huge amount of money, and I was baffled by how they handled that. It seems like they never wanted him, and, uh, yeah, they're they're a weird team, and, uh, you know, you look at that, and, I mean, you're still talking about a team with frickin' Leo Komarov on the third line, you know, you look at, like, some of the upper talent, and, I mean, Barzal, obviously a very dynamic player. I like Brock Nelson, um, 
But, you know, that blue line just kind of stinks. And, uh, I mean, they're giving big minutes to, to Ryan Pulak and uh, Scott Mayfield and, you know, all that. So, I'm, you know, I'm going to be... I, I, you know, I would almost say intrigued, but I really just don't want to ever watch this team. So I almost hope that they're bad just so I don't have to watch them again, right? Yep. That's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, all the power to them. Uh, it, it, I mean, no matter what, what they did last year was impressive. Hey, it I mean, worked, right? It, it did work. Do I think they're going to get league best goaltending again? No, I don't. Probably not. Do I, do I think the forwards are going to be much better than they were last year? No, I don't. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Islanders miss the playoffs. Every pundit I see out here uh, says that they're a shoe in to make it again. So I'm we'll, we'll see how it goes. That. I agree with you. I don't think they're a playoff team either. Or I if they, they are, a, I think they're barely one. I think they've got a chance. I mean, but, you know, when you look at it, almost everyone in the Metro was I mean, everyone was tight in the Metro to make the playoffs. So yeah. any, anything could happen there. Um, so we got one team left. It's not named the Capitals. The, the they're they are the other team that made up the three of the last four Stanley Cup champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins. <sighs> that team. Yes. What are you thinking about the Penguins? Has dysfunction finally caught up to the team in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, you look at them, and I mean, the blue line. I, I think to me, it just relies on is Latang healthy or not, uh, because. I mean, him and Dumoulin are a legitimately very, very good one, you know, one, two D, right? They're great. And then, you know, they're going to need them to play big minutes. But can Latang play those kind of minutes anymore? I, I don't know. Because, um, I mean, again, we're talking about a team that at one point was really looking at having a Jack Johnson and Erica Branson pair, which, I mean, as a Caps fan, put them on the ice. That'd be great. Like, I'd love to watch that. But if you're a Penguins fan, that can't be what you want. And, uh, you know, you, you look at that and, I mean... They still have a lot of talent. I mean, Crosby and Malkin are are great down the line. But you know, you look at like their kind of second, their second and third line. You know, they're it looks like they're going to be as as we're projecting. They're going to have Tanev in the second line, which I think is strange. And you know, I don't say that. And then of course I say that. And then he could play with Malkin and put up like twenty five goals for all we freaking know. But you know, it's tricky to bet against a team with Crosby and Malkin because at any point they could be on the ice and really dominate. But they, I think for really the first time in a while, just have a lot of question marks. And uh, I'm going to be intrigued to kind of see what they do next year. And also, you look at it too, and I mean, they really need Matt Murray, I think, to be healthy. And when he was last year, he was very, very good in the latter half of the year. So, you know, you look at that, and I think if he's able to stay healthy, I still think this is a playoff team, but I'm not 100% sure. And, oh boy, that blue line has some has some holes in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've just got a lot of concerns about their back end, um, and, and I'm, you know, all the reports about kind of divides between the management and the players and, and all that stuff. I, I just don't know how, what we're going to see out of, out of Pittsburgh. But you know, I, I won't be too bent out of shape if they finally kind of take a step back. But again, we talked earlier about kind of how top talent finds ways to win, it and. Does. Um, Pittsburgh's got that top talent still, so it, it's real hard to bet against them, especially I mean, they, in the regular they, season. They can play a game and have uh, either Malkin or Crosby on the ice for like 50-60% of the game, right? And yeah. that's it's tough to beat a team that can do that. Yes, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that, that, at least that percentage of time between the two yeah. of them, probably. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, one of them's usually hurt, right? So, yeah, that's or, true. Or, that's but, true. or angry uh, at the other or, so, or like, a, I mean, the... the I, 
I was heard. For, I was probably doing a little concern trolling. I think I tweeted out a little bit uh, when there was the uh, the rumor about uh, that Malkin basically refused to play with Kessel anymore, and uh, I just I was so devastated when I heard that. Right, that was just really hard to hear that kind of infighting with the with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, you know they just they never catch a break. Those guys. No, in yeah, it's tough, tough, tough to be a Penguins fan. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's. Uh, you want to go over? Let's talk a little bit about division winners here. Um, let, 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 let's let's speed through these quickly. Yeah, yeah, we're already um, running late. Yeah, we're we're a bit we're well over on time here. Uh, who do you have winning the Metro? Um. You know, I still think I have the caps. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, I will go. I'm going to go with the caps. The elite talent is still going to get it done in the regular season. Uh, Hurricanes will be close in second. Yeah, agree. Uh, I think I think that's the one too. All right, Atlantic Division. I, I got to think there's going to be no discussion here. What do you have? I mean, it's going to be Tampa, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I've heard a couple of like contrarian picks that maybe the Leafs are going to do it. I, you know, I I, I still think it's Tampa. Tampa had a goal differential of a 103 last season. I just can't imagine them not getting the top record. Yeah, they're uh, good. <laughs> uh, you know, unless they pull a Caps post Montreal, which they didn't or haven't appeared to have done yet. We'll see if they if they have a rough patch during the year. But yeah, um, no, I think they're fine. Yeah. Uh, Pacific. Pacific. Um, I I like Vegas. Um, I man, oh man, I'm gonna read to you Vegas's top six right now. Uh, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault. Mark Stone, Cody Glass, Max Pacioretty, and then they got Paul Snazdy centering the third line. That is a really, really, really good group of forwards. And uh, I don't love their defense. You know, I, I made Schmidt's great. But, uh, yeah, man, oh, man, though, I'm excited to watch that team play, and I, I like Vegas in that division. Yeah, I, I think Vegas is a good pick. I think they're going to be um, they're, they're going to be a, a top team that's going to compete well. I, I also like the Sharks. Um, it's really between those two for me. Um, just to be different, I'll pick the Sharks, but I, it's go. gonna be, it will be interesting to see for sure. Um, the Central Division, you know, it, it's it, it's gonna be. Well, I'll let you start again. What do you got? Um, that's a, I'm, I'm struggling with. I mean, you know, I almost don't want to pick the Blues because I feel like that's easy. Um, yeah, you know, I guess I'm gonna pick the Blues. Um, I'm struggling with another team to really compete with them. I mean, I, I still don't love the abs and I know everyone else seems to really like them. I, I, I still, I guess I think I like the blues. I mean, you're talking about the best team in hockey in the second half of last year, obviously winning the Stanley cup. So hard for me to pick against them. And I don't think they got noticeably worse. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I, pick someone I, different. Come on. You can do I, it. I, I, I don't know, <laughs> man. I, I want to see more out of Patrick Line and the Jets, but yeah. um, I'm just not sure. I don't feel great about them. I just got a bad vibe. About, well, they about had an team. awful off season too. I mean, yeah, lost, you know, Truba I, and yeah, all that. So Duff, Dustin Bufflin might not play hockey again. So yeah, Dallas. All right. Okay. All right, I, I like that. I mean, they got Pavelski in the offseason. You know, they uh, have some elite offensive talent, you know, and uh, Ben Bishop, I think, could still be really good. So I, I like that pick. Yeah, I, I think that they've got their sleeper. I mean, they fell off, they, they fell apart at the end of last season, right? So um, we'll see if they can kind of do better this time. But um, that is all I've got. I think we yeah. should wrap 